0: Rocky Flop, you'll always be bottom of the pole. Good old Rocky Flop. Woo! Woo! Rocky Tennessee. Let's go.
1: And with that, what is up, y'all? This is John and Wes back for just another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Nah, hold After on, the hold on, dogs. Hold on. hold on. This ain't just another episode. Oh, it's not just another episode. You're right.
0: Episode.
1: This is not just another episode. This is the episode we're recording after the University of Georgia slapped Tennessee Volunteers off of Rocky Top to take that King of the Hill spot back. This is on Monday. It's coming out on Tuesday, but we all know Georgia's going to be number one in that playoff poll in their rightful spot, Jump in Ohio State. We're going to get to them in a minute. But damn, I'm sure y'all can hear it in my voice. It's hellish Monday <laughs> at ten o'clock and I still don't have it all the way back yet. Yep. And and we're gonna get into just how loud it was here in a minute. That y'all y'all know that we get to the Georgia stuff at the end of the episode. But I mean, on <laughs> top of Georgia winning in utter domination in the <laughs> biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. There were multiple SEC games that went into overtime this week. Multiple top six teams that took an L this week. Multiple teams were essentially eliminated from the playoff race this week. Ooh, say it again. Say it again. Multiple teams were eliminated from the playoff race this week. hmm And then you know what? At the end of this, if Wes don't need to go to bed quite yet, we'll get into some Heisman talk because, let's be honest, I don't know of a Heisman race in recent history that's been this wide
0: open. I'm on leave. I ain't got to go to work tomorrow. Shit. All
1: right. (laughs) We are going to go hard in this episode, so y'all better get ready. This is going to be one of our longer recap episodes because we've got a lot of shit to talk about.
0: We got a lot of shit to talk. That
1: too. But <laughs> I saw you're out of a drink. I oh, am I am back on. on this ASW. Wes is getting a drink, so I'll talk. I am back on this ASW 2019 release of the Maris Otter that I found at a local liquor store. It is a single varietal, single malt whiskey. It is 92 proof. If you can find any year of the Maris Otter, I highly recommend you do it. Because as I've said before, ASW, don't miss. Everything they put out is good. I I don't like Isla whiskeys. They've got a peated whiskey that I like. Point blank period, they don't miss. Insert Snoop Dogg, he don't miss.
0: That you know motherfucker else don't miss. No, you know what else don't miss? Steph and fucking Bennett don't miss. All
1: right. Wes has got the old Bud Latte over there. I got to. I got to. All right, y'all. But we're going to get started with the alleged second best team in the country um, who struggled against a one-win Northwestern team. Am I wrong? No, one, one win. One win. Um, and that win came in Ireland. Northwestern has not won a team in this continent this season. Um, they are –
0: That's right.
1: You know what? We'll just go ahead and call them – They are the Jaguars of college football because they can't win in America. And I, I – Trust me. I understand the Jaguars have won in the United States this season, but it took them a couple fucking years to do it.
0: Well, that's like – um what Kyle Pitts last year didn't have a single touchdown in the United States. His only touchdown was in London last year.
1: Yeah. Which <laughs> that's the fault of the Falcons, not him, because even though he Crazy. went to the wrong school, he's a hell of a player.
0: Yeah. I love how everyone called him a unicorn, but Georgia has three unicorns on their team.
1: Facts.
0: So but and we'll get to that.
1: We'll get yeah, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but back to this Ohio State game. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot, especially tomorrow night during the playoff show, that there, the weather had a lot to do with this. It was nasty. It was windy. But you can't struggle in a 21-7 win where you were trailing for a good bit of the first half uh, to a one-win team. Yeah, I don't give a no. shit about the weather. You adapt.
0: Oh, you mean
1: you mean kind of like Georgia did when it rained for most of the second half of that game?
0: Crazy! They went from throwing the ball to running the ball because it was raining. You adapt to the weather. Let me, let me let me pull up these numbers. Let me keep going. I, I'm about so to go. the current and this is post
1: November fifth games Heisman favorite C.J. Stroud, right? He had. 76 passing yards um, which I don't know if you guys know this or not that's bad he had 79 rushing yards which also bad if you're not going to pass it you should at least run it right Um, but Northwestern's defense is 82nd in the country and once again I know I say it almost every week that's out of 131 teams which is bad Ohio State isn't just human, but a weak human that tries to look strong. Like, they're that guy in the gym that goes and, like, uses his legs to curl 45s, but his biceps are, like, I don't know, maybe, like, two inches around. Like, that's what Ohio State looks like right now. They're ego lifting.
0: I love that analogy. But going back to this, when I'm talking about adapting, right, they're a leading rusher, right? Mayan Williams, he had 26 carries in this game, right? I mean, that's that's a lot of carries. He only had 111 yards. If you are trying to impose your will on a one-win Northwestern team. With the 82nd really,
1: defense in the country.
0: Yes. You need to have more than 111 yards rushing. The wind on doesn't affect, Yes, on, 20, on 26 carries. The win doesn't affect. Your fucking running game. Granted, yeah, it don't it affect your a- offensive line. No, it can affect your passing. Yes, because if it's strong enough, yeah, it's gonna move the ball into all that shit. But I don't get this hype, and I've said I've said it at Tennessee, and it showed. Listen, I listened to the um, Connor and Will on the SES pod, and everyone talks about how. Um, You know, oh, the SEC's never come, you know, to the Big Ten. They can't handle the Big Ten weather. Well, fuck, Ohio State can't handle the Big Ten weather either. Facts. Like, you're a one-dimensional team. And I said the same thing with Tennessee. You're a one-dimensional team. You shut down the pass, you're done. You are absolutely done. So, I, I want Ohio State to play. Was I nervous before about Ohio State in the playoffs? Yeah. I want Ohio State. A little. A little. little. I want that smoke.
1: But, and this is something we kind of talked about in our group chat um, with Mike. Michigan's probably going to beat Ohio State. Oh, yeah. So, if you just look at common opponents, right? Um, Specifically the common opponent that Michigan played this past weekend. And, if we're going to be entirely honest, the weather's probably – the weather was not all that different in their locations.
0: Oh, and they both played a one-loss team or one-win team. No, mm. Rutgers has four wins.
1: No, did they? Yeah, Rutgers four and five. That like um, it. Michigan beat Rutgers fifty-two to seventeen. Michigan put up fifty-two points on Rutgers. Rutgers only gave up 49 points to Ohio State. The further we get into this season, the more I think Michigan wins the Big Ten this year. But not only do they win the Big Ten, but I think if they win that game decisively, I think Ohio State misses the playoff again. I think a one-loss Ohio State team after they've struggled against certain opponents And Michigan blows them out. And honestly, a blowout in this game is going to be 14 points because Ohio State's got a good offense. Michigan has a pretty good defense. But I think if Michigan wins that game by 14 points or more, Ohio State misses the playoff again.
0: Do you think the committee has a playoff without Clemson, without Alabama, and without Ohio State? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Alabama's got two losses. They're not playing in the conference championship yeah, they're, game.
0: They're out. Alabama's out. That That's – yeah. We'll
1: get to Clemson here in a minute, but I, I have zero confidence in Clemson to be able to do anything this year.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Georgia broke them.
1: And if Michigan – like I said, if Michigan wins by 14 points or more against Ohio State, Ohio State's not getting in. I just, I think this is going to be the one year of parity, and you know, I know personally, I was a little bit concerned about NIL and the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. But this is not a year where the rich got richer. No, this is a year where people saw an opportunity and took it.
0: Which speaking of the transfer transfer portal, which I didn't know this, we didn't take. Anybody a single
1: oh. transfer.
0: I did not know that until I, until Kirby, you know, after the game. I was like, holy crap.
1: Yep. Not a single transfer did the University of Georgia take this past offseason. They're crazy. one of, I want to say, like four or five programs in the country. Because, uh, you, you know, we'll get to it in a minute. But Clemson, for as much shit as they talk about the transfer portal, you know what They did. Davos had a transfer a quarterback. Granted, it was a guy that was at Clemson and then left.
0: I love your dogs.
1: <laughs> Granted, that Clemson transfer that they took was a quarterback that left the school to another school and then came back. Clemson, with all the shit Davos Sweeney talked, still took a transfer. And I've got a friend on Facebook that is a big Clemson fan that I've been talking to today just about um, how I, I truly do not think Clemson wins another national title with Davo Sweeney as a head coach because he refuses to embrace NIL or the transfer portal. And let's be honest, their offensive line needs as much help as they can get. And you know how many offensive line recruits they have coming in 2023? They have three. I was close. Right? You know how many of them are four-star or higher? One. They have one four-star who's a center and two three-stars. And Clemson's offensive line is bad. But we'll get to Clemson here in a minute. Do you have anything else on this Ohio State struggle win?
0: I'm not buying the hype.
1: No. No. if I was on the committee, and granted there's no way in hell I'll ever be on this committee. Hey, you don't know that. If I was on if I was on the college football playoff committee, Michigan would be number 2 behind Georgia. Ohio State 3, TCU 4.
0: Then why didn't you tell me that when I was making the prediction graphic?
1: Because there's way too much ESPN bias of Ohio State former players (laughs) and graduates that are going to make Ohio State too.
0: I don't think that's the way
1: it should be. I think that's the way it's going to be.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately.
1: And Ohio State University laid a damn egg. But... We're going to get over to another undefeated team. We got Texas Tech at TCU. TCU is still undefeated. Yep, throw up the horn knuckles. I don't know, man. (laughs) TCU's a weird-ass place. TCU is the Christian equivalent of BYU is what I've come to learn.
0: Not as cultish. Mormons are cult. Mormonism is a cult. I'm sorry if there's any Mormons listening, but... 100% 100% Mormonism is a cult.
1: And if there is a Mormon listening, please send me a message because I have a lot of
0: questions. Just watch, was it Train, Obey on Netflix? Uh, yeah, on
1: but that was that was a legit cult.
0: <laughs> it's so good, though.
1: Yeah. Now, that movie was a... Da- that series was an actual cult. Not all Mormons are cults. I've worked with some Mormons that are not all that weird. I just have a lot of questions.
0: It was I, so good though.
1: It was a great documentary. And yeah. I hope that guy never gets out of prison.
0: But... Do they all- We
1: can go... We, this is an off-season conversation. <laughs> this is an off-season conversation. Um, TCU has won five games this season where they have trailed at some point during the game. Whether that was seven points, and I think they trailed at one point by 21 points to Oklahoma State and came back to win that game.
0: That's crazy.
1: Whether it's one touchdown, multiple touchdowns, doesn't matter. TCU still somehow finds a way to win every game so far of the season. And this is a forgotten fact, I, I believe, Their head coach, Sonny Dykes, is in his first year of the program. Oh, shit. They're undefeated, looking like they're probably not going to lose until they get to the Big 12 championship, and they could potentially not lose that game because they've, at this point, beaten all the other good teams in the Big 12, and this weekend they play the last one, which is Texas.
0: Well, we've seen it in recent history twice in recent history. It's hard to beat a team twice. If they end up playing a team again in the championship,
1: Right, but the best teams currently in the Big Twelve have a lot of injuries, except for TCU.
0: Tis true.
1: So, and I, you know, in here in the notes, TCU may be the worst first quarter team in, in, in the country.
0: So what you're saying is, take the opponent money line first quarter every time.
1: You know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I might I might start doing it. <laughs> I might start doing it.
0: No, I haven't bet the past couple of weeks. I need to get back. I need to do it again. But, I mean, TCU
1: looks very human. They look very beatable. I just don't think anyone in the Big 12 can do it this year.
0: No. The Big 12 not. got – I mean, their best team in recent history has been Oklahoma. And they got – boat race by Texas. They got boat raced by Kansas. Well not boat raced by Kansas State, but lost to Kansas State. Like to be fair, Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel is a significantly better
1: team than without Dylan Gabriel.
0: Oh yeah. For sure. Which you didn't realize how much how good of a quarterback Dylan Gabriel was when he was at, you know, Central Florida. And now he transferred to Oklahoma and you're like, holy shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, my preseason Big 12 championship prediction is not absolutely not coming true at this point.
0: I don't remember. We both had
1: had... Baylor and Oklahoma State. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That's not coming true. But but with the fact that the Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself is true. They're because there's so many bad. teams that are so close to each other talent wise that a lot of these games are toss-ups except for TCU. And at this point, I'm gonna take TCU money line until they prove me wrong. They're not gonna get embarrassed in the playoffs this year. Good for them. Oh no, they'll 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 still get embarrassed in the playoffs. But they'll oh, make yeah. the playoffs.
0: They've yet to win a playoff game. I don't know if anyone's tracking that.
1: The Big 12 is, what, 0-5 in the playoffs?
0: I don't know. How many times did Oklahoma lost in the playoffs? I think five. Because they're the only team that's made it. 16,
1: 17, 18, 19. So they're 0-4. Jesus.
0: And the only close game was the Georgia game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But...
0: I think we're hey, going to go ahead and move into this. Go ahead. The Pac-12 has less appearances and more wins than the Big Ten does in the playoffs. Yeah. Oregon, yeah. they're one
1: <laughs> Oregon should have won the national championship that season, and you can't convince me otherwise.
0: Oh, I have say it was so good that year.
1: Correction, Ezekiel Elliott was so good that year. Yes. <laughs> and their defense was good. Yes. Ohio State defense being good. We hadn't seen that in a minute. That's the thing. Now we're gonna go into this Clemson getting embarrassed by an unranked three loss Notre Dame team. Um, I'm just gonna start off, you know, flexing my pronunciation skills here. DJ Uiungalai like is you. not good. He's not he's, he's not a good quarterback. He's Let's, let's put it like this. Anytime he's played a legitimate defense, Syracuse, he got pulled. Yeah. Georgia, he still checks under his bed for Jordan Davis.
0: They should have kept – I don't understand. I understand where Davo is coming from, but I don't. They should have kept k Public, whatever the fuck dude's name is. Yeah, they should have kept him, like – DJ isn't the dude. Like, well, sorry. they did.
1: Kate Klubnick did come in the game this past week. He threw one pass.
0: It was an incompletion. Should have been a lot more. If you're losing that bad to a Notre Dame t- to a Notre Dame team that literally, we both said at the beginning of the season was way overrated because they are every year. Uh, as much as I love for them to win for my buddy, I hate them, but. I want Notre Dame to win because of him. I was surprised to say the best about this game. So, just go through a few stats here. Notre
1: Dame only allowed 90 yards rushing, and DJU made multiple mistakes with the football. Notre Dame's special teams had a blocked punt taken to the house.
0: That was the defense such-
1: put up a pick six.
0: I don't know how many times you actually see that happen, though, to where the team blocks the play, it still goes in the air, and you catch it and run it back. Very few. Very few. Very few.
1: Um, and not only that, but Notre Dame had two rushers go for over 100 yards on the ground.
0: Jesus.
1: And, you know, just point blank period, Clemson – without absolute chaos unfolding, is not going to make the playoff this season. That loss right there, they they have failed the eye test all year, which is something the committee loves to say. Clemson's failed that the eye come test come all year.
0: And they now they, they have cool, a loss cool. to an
1: unranked three-loss team. Good. Fuck them. And not only that, but it's a home game. Louisville has a legitimate chance at beating – Clemson this weekend. Clemson allowed two people to carry the ball for over 100 yards against a Notre Dame team that has struggled very heavily all season. And you know what Louisville does very well? Runs. They run the ball extremely well. I can 100% see Louisville pulling out this game this season.
0: Sorry, I just – sorry, I just saw this thing on Facebook – Apparently Dan Lanning's name is getting thrown around for the Auburn position.
1: That's not what we're talking about right now, but we can go into it real quick. There's no way Dan Lanning leaves Oregon for Auburn.
0: I sorry, it like just popped up on like Facebook. I was my ADHD. Yeah, well
1: No, there I have heard it a couple times. There's no way Dan Lanning leaves this Oregon situation for Auburn.
0: Yeah, so they asked him, and he was like his quote coming from him. The reality is the grass isn't always greener, and the grass is damn green in Eugene. Like, he's not – no, not after one year.
1: Not after one year when he's potentially going to make the playoff if he can win the Pac-12 championship.
0: Not yeah, after and- a season
1: where Bo Nix legitimately should be the highest on the Heisman odds.
0: Which – what did I say at the beginning of the year when I picked Oregon for my bandwagon team? It's going to be about Bo Nix, whether they have freshman Bo Nicks or every other year Bo Nicks, And God dang if they ain't getting freshman Bo Nix. They
1: are getting – so this is something I've heard on multiple other podcasts. So I'm not going to take credit for this. Bo Nicks having- has one game every – or has multiple plays every game where – he makes you say, how is that possible? Yeah. (laughs) And then he has multiple plays every game where he says, what are you doing? Yep. But Oregon, with Kenny Dillingham, a.k.a. Auburn's 2019 offensive coordinator that Gus Malzahn did not allow to call plays, has gotten the, how is that humanly possible, Bo Nix, in eight of their nine wins this season. Yeah. And the only one that they didn't was against the Georgia team.
0: Which who, I mean we all we all know in his, in recent history, even when he was at Auburn, he just can't perform against Georgia.
1: No, and I, I mean, granted that I will say even if statistically it doesn't seem like it, this Georgia team essentially especially on defense, has taken a slight step back. I don't think you can really argue much against that. They don't have the same talent front to back as they did last season. No. But, but this is still the best defense in the country.
0: They're allowed, I, even with the Tennessee game, they're allowing 10.9 points a game now instead of like 10.7 or something like that.
1: The difference between Georgia scoring defense and the number one, Scoring defense in the country is what 0.6 points. No, they
0: are the number one scoring defense in the country. I, you know what?
1: Oh, it
0: might be SEC. SEC, I'm sorry. They're number one in the SEC,
1: um, for sure. But I thought when I looked yesterday, Illinois was still first in the country. So, so yeah, so they Illinois is number one, allowing 10.4 points per game. And Georgia is number two, allowing 10.78 points for a game.
0: That's even with facing the number one offense.
1: Number one and number five offense in the country.
0: Yeah, you know, we'll get into that, though.
1: Yeah, we will get there. But hell of a tangent we went on. Now we're going to talk about, um, I mean, let's be honest. LSU took Death Valley back this season but not only did they take it back they cemented it i don't clemson should be sued for copyright if they claim to be death valley after this game yeah. because i mean you know and i'll just go ahead and say it i've texted a few people this but after we recorded last week i talked myself out of alabama covering and i actually put money on lsu to cover the spread just because man alabama's mediocre Everywhere, we said it before, Alabama is O-line, bad. Wide receivers, below average. Tight ends, not great. D-line, meh. Inside linebackers, almost as bad as Tennessee's. Secondary, (laughs) and this this is my favorite thing I came up with here. The secondary is like that Expendables movie series, full of names, not a lot of substance.
0: Dude, you're killing it with references this week.
1: And now the cat is chasing a piece of dust in front of the camera, so I cannot see the screen. Let's let's move him so I can see what I'm talking about here. (laughs) Hold Um, on. on.
0: You disappeared, right? (laughs) And you said, let me move. And all I see is the cat disappear and move. (laughs)
1: Yeah, um, for for anyone that doesn't know me personally, I have a cat that, so, if you've ever seen the movie Over the Hedge, right, <laughs> Hammy, the squirrel, is this cat. <laughs> it, my cat is Hammy from Over the Hedge. Um, and the newest dog we got, Champ, is he is, uh, well, first off, he is a little bit of an asshole. But second off, imagine if you put Hammy the squirrel from over the hedge on methamphetamine, and that's the dog. So every time there's, like, an awkward pause and I say something a second time, it's because I'm dealing with an ADHD squirrel on meth running around the house. Just just a little inside-the-park baseball there.
0: Oh, my God. (sighs) But
1: to get back into this Bama LSU game. I in so Alabama, 328 passing yards, right? That's a lot. LSU had 182. That's not a lot. Alabama, 137 rushing yards. It's pretty good. LSU did better than that with 185. But uh you want to talk about total yards difference. Alabama. 465 to LSU's 367, almost 100 yards difference. Jesus. And not only that, LSU kind of got fucked by the refs a little bit because there was that fumble that was reversed that was very, very obviously a fumble.
0: That no one knew the rule to.
1: I that, – that was very obviously
0: a fumble. Yeah, and if you don't know what we're talking about, I mean, if we're talking about the same play – Alabama player fumbles the ball. LSU recovers it. Alabama player's out of bounds, touches the ball, and apparently that's the rule where if they're out of bounds, they touch the ball, it's still their ball, even if they don't recover it. Which,
1: I, you know, I'm no rule expert here. But if that is legitimately a rule, they need to Start review to that rule because that's fucking stupid.
0: Start doing that every play. But, yeah, like – I mean, even Kirk Hershey on the broadcast was like, the fuck are you talking about? Granted, I,
1: I, I, I was about to say, I doubt he said, the fuck are you talking about on, <laughs> on ESPN. I would have. Well, that's why we don't work for ESPN.
0: I mean, Pat McAfee does, and I know you heard it. Oh, did you hear him on game day?
1: I didn't. I was um, <laughs> I was at the tailgate.
0: Luke Brown was talking about how Lee Bryson called him, and – so he picked Notre Dame because Lee Bryce didn't call him. And Pat McAfee literally said, Lee Bryce didn't call you that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Pat McAfee
1: is the reason that college game day is gonna stay relevant. I'm a huge fan of his.
0: Oh yeah. But no, but, but yeah, that, that rule doesn't make sense. And no one on the broadcast knew. Nobody in the G star whoever the guy that does the um Officially was like, yeah, like it's a rule that's been around forever. Like no one's ever heard of this rule.
1: No, I've never seen it put in place. No. I guarantee hey. you the Alabama player didn't know that rule. He was just trying to <laughs> fuck shit up.
0: Hey, Georgia basketball won, so they're starting out the Mike White era on a good note. One to know.
1: Mike White doing it right.
0: Against Western Kentucky or Carolina. Hey. A dub's a dub in basketball.
1: (laughs) The only game I went to last year, I think, was against, like, Weber State and Georgia loss.
0: I went – only basketball game – the only time I've ever been inside Stegman was we got free tickets to Arizona State versus Georgia basketball. We got, like, um, the neighborhood I lived in did, like, a um, Secret Santa kind of thing, and someone bought us tickets for, like, Secret Santa – or got them on vet ticks. They got them off a uh, shout out vet ticks. Um, shout out vet ticks. Yeah, they got them all vet ticks and like gave them to us because they knew we were Georgia fans. It was like sick. And that's where I met I've been David to.
1: J- I've been to two Georgia basketball games. They lost both. I, yeah. I'm a very sad Georgia basketball fan. But back to Alabama losing. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> up and down. Up and down. Um, Alabama had, once again had nine penalties. They also threw an interception in the end zone. And they could not stop LSU's run game. But they also couldn't stop the pass rush. LSU managed to have two or ten quarterback hurries in this game. Jeez. Against – don't you remember um, on other podcasts and – ESPN and SEC Network saying that Bama's offensive line was going to be significantly better after they got that transfer
0: from Vanderbilt. I'm pretty sure everybody said Alabama was going to be the best team in the nation, and their best Except player, us. and their best player on their team right now is a transfer from Georgia Tech. Correct.
1: So, I mean, Mike? we called it. We called it. We said Alabama's offensive line was going to be ass again, but yeah. nobody pays attention to us.
0: My my favorite thing that's going on right now with Alabama, and people can get mad. I want you to clip this. I want you to make this a thing. All right. My favorite thing about Alabama right now is that Bryce Young is going to leave Alabama without a national championship.
1: Yeah. And not only that, they're losing their best college quarterback that they've ever had without a national championship.
0: Yeah, you know like, who else should have left Alabama without a national championship? Tua. And he was one of the greatest Alabama quarterbacks, too. And he should have left Alabama without a national championship. So, I, you know what? We will get to it towards the end of this,
1: but I've actually been texting Jay Woody most of the day about about this whole situation. But, like I said, we'll get to that here in a minute. <laughs> um, You know what? <laughs> we talked a lot about how Alabama fucked this up. Well, let's give LSU some credit.
0: Yeah. Right? No, for sure. For sure. Brian
1: Kelly, for all the doubt that was put on him this offseason, including us, if we're being honest, which we're honest to a fault on this show here, he just pulled out his basketball size titanium testicles and put them on display. Because he said, nah, we ain't doing no second damn overtime. He said we're gonna win or lose this on this play. Right here. He called a Jaden Daniels bootleg where there was only one receiver on that side of the field. Yeah. But credit to the play design because it was either Jaden Daniels completes that pass or there was only one defender over there to make a stop and he had two yards to run. So from the second Jaden Daniels ran out of the right side of that pocket, they were winning that game. Yep. And that, that – Credit Jaden Daniels because that's a guy that me and you talked a lot of shit about in the middle of this season.
0: Pretty sure was, I said he's the worst quarterback in college football. Pretty sure I said that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, he looked like it at the time. Oh, he was. He was horrible at that Florida State game. No, he was he was not good early and up until the middle part of the season. But, you know, this is, this is not the same LSU team from when they lost to FSU in no. week one. This, is, this isn't this is even the same LSU team that gave up 35 to Florida three or four weeks ago. This is an entirely different football team that is leaps and bounds better than they were then, and they get better every week. And uh, I will say, personally, as a Georgia fan that runs a Georgia podcast, I'd rather play Alabama than LSU in the SEC championship.
0: I was just about to say something like that. Um, now,
1: I still think Georgia probably wins that game, especially if they played today. It's but interesting. I am much more concerned about LSU than Alabama.
0: But you know the thing, the thing is, too, like, that game's going to be interesting. But you know Kirby is going to remind those dudes, at least the ones that were on the team, if there are any left, actually. About oh, yeah, there's
1: still some guys from 2019.
0: Yeah, you know Kirby's going to remind those boys of that. Hell, there's still some
1: guys from the 2018 team that got their fucking teeth kicked in in Death Valley.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. you know Kirby's not going to forget that. But no. I think if they meet in Atlanta, it's going to be interesting. Whether we play LSU or Ole Miss, even if we play Ole Miss, is going to be interesting. I'd love to see Lane. That'd be fun.
1: I think an all saban disciple SEC Championship, where Nick Saban is nowhere to be found, would be a lot of fun. I think that would be a lot of fun to talk about. But, you know, as most of you guys know, at least most of the listeners that know us personally know, we are extremely unorganized. Um,
0: (laughs) Neither of us really
1: has our life together. So, but if there's one thing we've done right, we've already locked down an LSU guest. If that (laughs) SEC championship game works out.
0: Yeah, fuck. If it doesn't, that means we got to find a fucking Ole Miss one.
1: Oh, that'll be that'll be interesting because I personally don't know any Ole Miss fans. I don't
0: either. But anyways, let's go. I want to play LSU. I think that'd be interesting. I think that'd be fun. Oh, I do too. Uh, My favorite part about it? this game. part about this game was as soon as they scored that t- that. Two point conversion. Every time the guy that ran off with the pylon.
1: Well, there was a the guy that ran off with the pylon, but and I know I've talked. I if I haven't talked about it in this episode, it'll it'll definitely be in the next episode. There was a LSU fan that ran up to Nick Saban with his state patrol escort, with fist raised, like he was ready to throw hands. And when yeah. I say the state patrol officer bodied this dude it was like so imagine imagine a defensive lineman tried to block wes and wes (laughs) and wes you know you're very in shape you couldn't take on jordan davis
0: oh fuck no
1: this dude when this guy got pushed he came off of his feet and flew a few (laughs) yards and you know once again shameless plug Facebook group on or our podcast Facebook group, Nothing Finder Podcast on Facebook. That's where the video's at. I posted it this morning. It was it's great. It's great. I highly recommend you go you go check it out.
0: You wanna know something better? What's that? Yeah, yeah. We barely even talked about the game. We just keep going. But um when they stormed the field, right? There was a fan with a walker that storm in the field.
1: Oh, did you see the did you see the lady that brought her stroller and baby on the field?
0: <laughs> LSU
1: fans never change. I I may argue with some of you guys every now and then, but never change.
0: That's great. I didn't see that. No, but the l- lady with the walker. Holy shit, I just saw the video. <laughs> Yeah. He comes
1: in. Look, that sure (laughs) is a move. It damn sure ain't the right one.
0: Jesus.
1: And see, in that situation, you know, once again, going on on another tangent here, if if someone is going to be scared as an opposing team rushes the field, that's the situation, right? Yes.
0: Yes. Not Jermaine Burton.
1: Not some girl taking a video as she's running away from you, and you just push her face until she falls down.
0: Yeah,
1: <clears throat> that. You know what? We'll we'll get off of that because we talked enough shit about Jermaine Burton, especially this year. Um, let let's let's get into that game from Athens. You you ready?
0: Yeah, you ready for we'll it. We'll find out when I start talking. Jesus Christ, I'm dying.
1: (laughs) All right. So I'm going to start this off with some things I saw in the stadium that you may have not seen on TV. Um, The mass amounts of people that were in Athens cannot be overstated.
0: Anyone that's been, go ahead. I would love just to be there, just like tailgate, but that atmosphere, like holy shit. So, I've been I've been going to
1: Athens for a long time, downtown Athens since well before I was twenty one years old. I have not a single time in my shit. How old am I? Twenty in my seven years, six years, going to Athens. No. Eight years. I'm not good at math. That's why I'm doing a podcast instead of being some sort of engineer or something. Exactly. In my eight years of going downtown Athens, I have not once been asked to pay a cover charge at freshman bars.
0: Jesus.
1: And anyone that knows Athens knows places like Silver Dollar, Boar's Head. Flanagan's $20 covers $20 yeah that's how many people and not only were there $20 covers there were lines of people waiting to pay $20 covers Jesus the only time I've ever paid a cover to go into an establishment and in Athens Georgia is when we get a wild hair and decide to go to topper's Only time I've ever paid a cover.
0: (laughs) I'm honest to a fault. But that's
1: crazy. Yeah, $20 covers to get into freshman bars in Athens. Never seen it before. And when we so if you follow our Instagram, you saw that I got to meet good friend of the show and future damn good dog, Ja Jarrett, on Saturday afternoon. Um and just a side note. So, Wes, you're what? Like 5'7", five, 5'8"? Five,
0: I wish. Oh. Bro, I'm like 5'5", five, five, on a good day.
1: All right, so you're 5'5". Five, five. I'm 5'11", five, right? The height difference between you and I was the difference between myself and Jaw. Jesus. And he is 17, 18 years old. God. I got big hands. I'm not saying I got the biggest hands in the world. I'm 5'11 and can palm a basketball. I got pretty good size hands.
0: I can palm a baseball.
1: (laughs) When I shook this man's hand, I felt like a toddler. (laughs) The picture that we've got together doesn't show the size difference like it should.
0: Jesus
1: all of that being said, side note, he is two inches shorter than Darnell Washington. Fuck. Just entire – different side note there. But after, you know, we talked, I handed him a sticker, you know, all that good stuff. We took stairs up to the main concourse. Anybody that's been to Sanford Stadium knows that, like, the, the top of the first level – is like the main concourse there, right? So we walked from the main concourse, home sideline, on the scoreboard end zone, to just to the other end zone, right? Like it's essentially a hundred yard wall. Took us 30
0: minutes. Jesus.
1: Took us 30. So imagine, imagine gridlocked downtown Atlanta traffic, but there's no lanes. And you're dealing with people trying to get out and get to the concessions, Trying people trying to get out, trying to go to the bathroom, people trying to get out and get to their seats. There was security walking through frequently. There was somebody that had to push a wheelchair through because for the before the game even started, there was a medical emergency. Jesus. It was insanity. We got two-hour seats in time to start yelling, go dog, sick him. Holy shit! And I was in the stadium at two o'clock.
0: That's crazy.
1: It was nuts. But then you get into go ahead. So at least you were there. Yeah. No, for sure. I I do wish I would have been able to see the battle him, but I. I got a chance. I got a chance to meet Ja, talk to him for a split second, and you know he's probably not listening to this. But you know we were sitting there sending messages through Instagram, trying to figure out where to meet each other. And I walked up to the gate as he was off, walking up to the gate, and the cops tried to push me away. And he said, "Nah, I know him." And they just moved out of his way like he was Moses parting the Red Sea. Oh wow. Like they opened the gate for him to walk out (laughs) and talk to me for a second, so that was yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but then we get up into our seats, and you know, there were Tennessee fans on our left and our right, as I expected there to be, because the people on my right are traders and sell their tickets to opposing fans for almost every game, but is what it is. Um no, all the Tennessee fans were cool. Like I, I never expected to be surrounded by Tennessee fans in the stadium, and them to be cool and respectful. And like, yeah, they were loud at points, but I was loud for most of the game. So you know, like, I can't be upset at that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, to be fair, when yeah. I got when I got to the seat and saw him, I was like, hey man, I'm gonna be loud. But I'm I'm gonna be. I'm like, I'm gonna be respectful. Like, I'm not gonna try to get in your way. I'm not gonna try to yell at you. Like, I'm. You know, we're fans of opposing teams at the same game. I, I brought earplugs. If I get too loud, i got no problem giving you earplugs, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but, no, he was cool. And I think the guy that sat directly to my right was there for either a family member or a girlfriend or something because he did not know anything about football. Oh, God. Like, during TV timeouts, he was asking me questions. Really? Which – yeah, and no, I mean, like I was cool to him. I was like, "Yeah, so like this is what's going on. This is why they're doing this and that and that sort of thing." Yeah, um, but no, like I and it was probably, and I'm going to sound like an asshole when I say this. It was probably the price of the tickets that drove a lot of the assholes out, because you don't typically see assholes that can pay $600 a ticket.
0: Well, I mean, apparently we know why. That apparently is a millionaire, so. But he
1: wasn't at the game, so apparently not.
0: Exactly. Um, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, that, I'm sure that experience is, like, one you're never going to forget, and, like, being a part of that atmosphere, like. I've been to
1: quite a few games at Sanford Stadium that had a lot of importance, um, like I paid a significant amount of money to go to the Notre Dame game in 2019. I think I told that story on yeah. here. Like i just gotten back from Afghanistan. We were doing our like yellow ribbon event, which is where we all like everybody from the brigade meets up at one location to go through. Like, this is where you go to seek help for this and that and all that kind of really just dumb stuff. Um, but Kelsey and I dipped out of the last meeting, like 30 minutes early to drive up to the game And once we got to the game, it was an 8 o'clock kickoff, right? It was a CBS 8 o'clock kickoff. We got out of the parking lot at 2 a.m. Because traffic was so bad. We had to drive from Athens to LaGrange, Georgia, which if you know anything about Metro Atlanta, you know that's not a short drive without traffic. Imagine post-game traffic from, at the time, the largest game in Sanford Stadium history. Jesus. We got back to the hotel at about four and had to get up at seven for the next day's meeting. <laughs> and then, you know, I went to Mississippi State in 2020. That was a real close game. Um, it was the first blackout at home in a long time, especially with the new uniforms, that kind of thing. But when I say this was – and, you know, I've been to World Series games. I've been to playoff, other playoff baseball games. I've been to – few NFL games when I say that this is the most electric loud just absolute ridiculous it's hard to believe even in person atmosphere I've ever been in I say that with nothing but sincerity
0: that's crazy so
1: I know I know everybody's heard it by now 137 decibels right Broke the world record for loudest college football game of all time. 137 decibels. Other one before that was 133.
0: Who, who held that record though?
1: I honestly don't know. Nealon did
0: it. That it makes it even sweeter. So 137
1: decibels, right? To put that into perspective for people that don't know noise, and you know, it might be an infantry thing on how we know how much how loud certain things are because we got to do ear protection, all that kind of stuff. A jet engine. No, no. Okay, just me. Cool. Uh, <laughs> jet engine, 120 decibels, right? Jet engines are loud, 120 yeah. decibels. Most gunshots, 140 decibels. So that means Sanford Stadium on the field during the fourth quarter was three decibels short of a long-term sustained gunshot. And just to add some perspective to that, LSU, Death Valley, considered one of the most hostile environments in college football. You know the loudest it got? And that was after the – like the cheer after they got that two-point conversion in overtime? Hmm.
0: 120 decibels. Jesus.
1: So LSU beat Alabama at home for the first time since 2012 in overtime in a game that they really shouldn't have even been in, let alone won. And they won it off a walk-off two-point conversion where the guy caught the ball in the student section. It got up to 120 decibels. Yeah. I, I was mean... personally – yelling so loud for so long there were multiple points where I almost passed out like if anybody's ever almost passed out before where you start to like it starts tunneling and it starts to look like you're looking through a paper towel roll I got to that point on multiple occasions and granted those were mostly fourth downs where Georgia stopped Tennessee so I was able to take a break and like sit down because inevitably there was a damn tv timeout thanks CBS I mean, they saved your life. Yeah, because if you've ever been to Sanford, they're not – they're not – they're very steep stands. So if I would have fell forward, I'd have been falling for a minute.
0: Yeah. But, no, I mean, Kirby called out the fans, told them to be loud. I mean, it also didn't help that you had Tennessee fans everywhere, former players Talking about oh Sanford's not gonna be an issue, Sanford's not loud. It only holds ninety-two thousand, blah blah blah, all that good shit. Like they honestly never I mean Eric Aynges played in Athens, obviously.
1: Yeah, he but, played in the T and Crumpets area era where we were worried about how early we gotta to get to church on Sunday.
0: But from game day on the TV, game day was loud as Hell, and I knew that that place was going to be rocking come game time. I can tell you
1: that the dog walk, which, you know, our guest later in the week, Sarthik Sharma, good friend of the show, in the SDS podcast group, great dude overall, he actually invited us to his tailgate with some of his law school buddies. Um, We ended up literally being on the first floor of the – Tate Student Center, where we could stand at the tailgate, watch a noon game, and be 15 feet from the dog walk. Yeah. And I will say the dog walk is louder than some stadiums I've been in. Holy crap. It was
0: insane. And it it definitely played a factor in the game, because if I'm not mistaken, they had, what, eight pre-snap infractions?
1: For the first 55 minutes of the game, Tennessee had more pre-snap penalties than they had points.
0: Yeah. There was even a point where neither team was set, and they still got a false start. Yeah. Yeah, like the refs were in the middle. You know, the lineman was down and set ready to go, but other players were really standing around looking around, and he jumps. Like, bro, you're not even on the ball yet.
1: And not only that. But if you go back and you watch it and you pay attention, the receivers had multiple false starts where they had a half step before the ball was snapped. Yeah. I saw saw that live a lot. And, you know, getting into the game, something that you guys may not have even seen in the broadcast because I was texting with Wes about it, a lot of the Tennessee players were playing dirty, and I don't mean like going for chop blocks and stuff like that. The Tennessee offensive lineman, which if you've listened to us for a while now, you know how little we think of the Tennessee offensive line because the interior is just weak. It, I mean, just put it put it point blank. Period. The interior of that offensive line is weak. Yeah. But there were, I I would say upwards of ten plays where the interior of the offensive line came off the ball, dove at the defensive lineman's legs, and then after everybody was on the ground, they rolled on top of the defensive line and laid there for a second after the play was over, so it took longer for the defensive lineman to get set. Going into the fourth quarter, that Tennessee defense, after almost every single play, was talking shit and jawing and a couple times they pushed Georgia players to make it more difficult for Georgia to get lined up on offense. And they Multiple still. And you know, I, I don't want to take away from just how good this Tennessee team is because they're very good. I mean, yeah, they, they beat are. Alabama in shootout. They've won every game except for this Georgia game, and like we said, Georgia got the best team in co- best defense in college football this year. Easily. And this is not the Tennessee team that we've seen in recent history. They didn't lay down and quit. They literally fought until the very last play of the game when they didn't have a choice anymore.
0: But. Bullshit. Fucking garbage time touchdown.
1: Yes, but. And something else that you guys may not have seen because the broadcast was going so quick and flipping back between replays and this and that and for some reason, making people look at Gary's ugly mug. In the third and fourth quarter, from the time that the rain started, essentially, to the end of the game, Georgia had backup offensive linemen in the game. Oh, really? Jo- Warren Erickson took more snaps in this game than he has the rest of the season.
0: Holy shit. Yeah, and, real you know,
1: you know, once again, credit Tennessee's team in general because in last year's team would have laid down and quit. 2020's team definitely would have laid down and quit. Yeah. Going back to 2017, 2017, that team quit after the first pick six or after the first interception. Yeah. So uh, they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. But something else, something that – I don't think enough people are talking about in the media. How many players on their starting defensive rotation do you think are sophomores or freshmen like underclassmen? Oh yeah. Zero. They're all juniors and seniors. Every single player on their defense is draft eligible. How many players on their offense do you think are not draft eligible?
0: Three. Two. Dude, I also.
1: this is a ceiling year for this Tennessee team until they can get their system fully in place and they get their recruits. And I'm not saying this to disparage Tennessee because I, like, they're still going to be top six. Undeniably, they are a top six team in the country, right? But this is a yeah. ceiling year. They don't have the depth. They don't have the talent. They don't have the physicality. And they definitely don't have the discipline this season. It's not saying they won't next or in two years, three years, but when you when you look into it, like this is the height of this current roster.
0: Yeah, uh, I I can definitely see where you're coming from, but like you said, not taking anything from what Hypo has done with this team in his second year, like <clears throat> it has definitely been a 180 from Tennessee we've expected. And if people thought Georgia fans were bad after they won the Natty, just imagine if Tennessee fans ever win the Natty again. Oh, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. But, but Hooker – Go ahead. Hooker did not look himself, though, in this game. I don't know if he was scared. I don't know if he hurt or well, – what. I don't know, but he overthrew passes he normally hits. Granted, the, we put so much fucking pressure on him. Going into this game, we had 10 sacks. We had six in this game alone.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, they were constantly in his face. Because if you look at the Tennessee offenses, which I which I've said so many times, their only offense is the deep ball. And which takes time. Takes time to develop. He didn't have that time to develop those routes. And then going to the Georgia side of the offense, thank God Ladd McConkey found a new girlfriend before this game. <laughs> holy crap did he have a game.
1: And it, so another thing about Tennessee is they have not played a defense that was physically capable of pressing them off the line, which yeah. if you listen to our last episode last week, on defense, I said it was going to be critical to, within that legal five yards, beat the hell out of them. Yeah. And we saw it all day. Ashton, within those legal five yards, George's defense came up and smacked them in the mouth. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's why the timing was off. Hooker was overthrowing throws. He was overthrowing passes because they were timing throws. And when the timing's off, because Jalen Hyatt's six foot, one hundred and eighty pound, tiny ass is getting pushed around by Keeley Ringo at the line of scrimmage, yards, the ball's going to be five yards past him.
0: You know, I mean, you you saw what Jalen Hyatt said, right?
1: Yeah, he said this team was definitely more physical than Alabama.
0: Like, I I don't. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I don't see – this team is going back-to-back. I I don't see anybody right now beating them.
1: And, you know, I've said it multiple times, you're not as good as you are on your best day and you're not as bad as you are on your worst day. But so far this season, Georgia's worst day has still resulted in a win.
0: Yeah. Do we want to go Kent State or Missouri for the worst day? Which one? (laughs) Missouri. Missouri.
1: And Georgia's best day is taking the number one offense or number five offense in the country and holding them to a single touchdown or less.
0: Yeah. A garbage time touchdown at that. Yeah.
1: And I, I'm trying to look through my notes here and see if there's anything I hadn't covered.
0: So while you're looking through that, I'll go ahead and say like, this Georgia dominated this game. If Kirby wanted to, He could have ran the score up. If the rain wouldn't have came in the third quarter, the score would have been way worse than what it indicates. The score doesn't look that bad. The score does indicate the way this game went. Georgia dominated this game from the opening kickoff. And Tennessee fans want to, you know, oh, the rain kept us from winning, the rain this and that, this and that. No, the rain kept us from getting blown the fuck out.
1: So, with that, do you know how many passes Stetson Bennett threw after the rain started at eight minutes and three seconds left in the third quarter?
0: I'm going to go with – so he had 25 attempts. After the rain, I'm going to go five, two, two. Damn. <laughs> two. One was the deep ball to Arian
1: Smith that should have been defensive holding. Should have been.
0: Um, hey, wait, 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 dude. Was I the only no. one excited to see Arian Smith back?
1: Oh, no, bro. In the stands, it was nuts.
0: Oh, I bet, dude. I saw him that the deep ball and like the second drive. I was like, wait a minute. Holy shit, that's Arian Smith! Like, I was yeah. so happy.
1: So, that should have been defense holding on Arian Smith. Little known fact here this was the same officiating crew that gave Alabama 17 penalties in that game. Just a, oh, just a little fun fact there.
0: Oh, how Sorry, what she had done, I was talking about? Oh, I got Um
1: <laughs> and then the second was that first down pass to Ladin McConkey to ice the game. Okay. There were two passes past the 8-minute mark in the third quarter, meaning that the last So if you take the second half, split it in 50 like split it split the second half in half. It was like seventy 76% of the second half of the game, Georgia threw two passes. One of those should have been a penalty. One of those was a completion.
0: And dominated. Which, I mean, we both said it like a way to beat the Tennessee team is to keep them off the field. And that's what we had the whole game, was slow methodical drives the whole game.
1: You, you punch them in the mouth early, and you keep them off the field.
0: Yeah. But we did get robbed, though. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet. So there was a few.
1: And and something I want to talk about is because, like I said, I've said it in the podcast Facebook group. You couldn't see it on TV. You could not see it. I watched the replay multiple times. That very first drive where they threw that fade route on the left side to Brock Bowers in the end zone Mm – you know the one where it was like Brock didn't even try to go up and get that ball? Yeah, because he was being held. When I say he was being held, the defender had his hand inside of his shoulder pads at the collar and was pulling him down.
0: Really? I you could see it
1: that. from where we were sitting. You couldn't see it from any of the TV angles. But Brock tried to jump and couldn't get up because of how much he was being held.
0: Jesus. And then you've got the
1: safety that was in every way, shape, or form a safety when Gary Danielson and and as much as he seems to be against Georgia and the rules analyst for CBS and everyone that watched it said that was a safety. And you could tell by the look on Tennessee players' faces And Tennessee fans' faces, they knew it was a safety, but somehow it wasn't a safety.
0: Half the dude's body was on the ground in the end zone, and the ball was still in the end zone.
1: The ball hadn't even touched the line when he was down. Yeah. And then his his elbow goes down after his legs, his knees, his hips, his stomach were all down. Then his elbow goes down, and then the ball comes loose, and he grabs it again at the half yard line. And they're like, "Yeah, they're at the half yard line."
0: It took them twenty minutes to review that. I love how the fans were doing the the like they were doing like a little safety chant. Oh, do you know who started that? Who yeah. Kirby Smart started doing that, and really? the
1: entire crowd took it from him.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: But then you've got that obvious targeting call on Stetson Bennett when he ran in for that touchdown that even they even said was reviewed for targeting and wasn't targeting and there were other NCAA referees on Twitter that was like no that that's like literally textbook targeting like yeah. that's like we're going to use that play next offseason to tell players what not to do. Yeah. And the SEC was like, nah, we want a good game. That's not targeting.
0: And then, for those of y'all that don't know, if you watch the game, you saw Seth do a little hand motion. He got (laughs) 600 to 700 calls and text messages the night before because his number somehow got leaked to Tennessee fans, and they were calling him and testing him all night. So, good on him. Stiquavius in the fade is back.
1: But not only that. In the fourth quarter, they played Call Me Maybe in the stadium. That's even better. And then after that, it was after that first failed fourth down conversion by Tennessee in the fourth quarter, they played Swag Surf, right? And the student section, like, each row was alternating, like you see in in Texas A&M Stadium. But then the – in stadium cameras found senior citizens that were swag surfing. Like people with canes were rocking back and <laughs> forth. When I say that that stadium could not have been a better environment, I like, like I said, been to World Series, been to playoff football games, been to playoff basketball games, I've been to a ton of sporting events. I've been to a lot of concerts. I have never been somewhere like that in my God. life. I just, and then when they played, all I do is win. And then they stopped it right before Ludacris goes, and my hands go up and down just like strippers' booties go, and the entire stadium was just sang it and did the hand motion. <laughs> it, Chef's kiss. Perfect. Couldn't have got better.
0: God, what I would have done just to be in Athens. Not even at the game, just be in Athens. Like I said, man, after after it poured down rain for like
1: what felt like a damn hour with all the TV timeouts, like we were planning on going out with Sarfik and some of our friends and then, you know, we got back to the car literally still dripping water. As we got back to our car and then it took us over an hour to get from where we parked to where we needed to drop the car off to go downtown. We were like, man, we're just going to stay home. This is stupid. We did not get back to where we were staying until 10 o'clock.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. No, it was, it was awful. It was ridiculous. Damn. Damn. By that time I was damn sober, the hangover was kicking in from where I was drinking before the game. <laughs> no, it was it was not the move. But we do have offensive, defensive MVPs to go over and our freshman award if you're ready for that.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: All right. Who's your offensive MVP?
0: So, obviously, everyone's going to expect me to go with the obvious, you know, Sequavius, which, I mean, he he did his damn thing. He did his damn thing. But I'm going to go off the beaten path here. All right. I'm going to go with Lad. 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 He made some clutch plays down the – down, you know – Towards the end of the game, they were going to The
1: route he ran for that touchdown yes. could not have been done better.
0: And I'm not going to lie, I got scared because I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Lad. <laughs> and, like, as bad as that, let me some Lad. Let me Lad. But the turnaround he had in this game reminded me of, it's going to be weird to say, the – um. The Missouri kicker, how he had that shitty game against Auburn but came back against us and was hitting 50-plus yarders. It takes that one game to turn it around, and I definitely think this was Lad's game. Five receptions for 94 yards, averaged 18, damn near 19 yards. Um, and he, he had that one long touchdown, which he just destroyed the defender on. It was wide open. So oh, yeah. I'm going to give it to Lad from the Offensive Player of the Week.
1: I think it's hard to go with anyone else. I mean, there were a lot of people that made a lot of big plays, but just the way that he came back from how he's played recently to this week, he's definitely earned it.
0: Yeah. Oh, what makes it even better is he grew up a Tennessee fan. So that just makes it even better.
1: He did grow up a Tennessee fan. Tennessee did not offer him a, a scholarship. Shucks. Shucks for defensive mvp and this might be the first back-to-back defensive mvps that we've had i got to go javon bullard and i you know i didn't want to go back-to-back on him but i i could not talk myself out of it you have he had to. he had 7 solo tackles <laughs> two of those being for a loss two sacks one pass defended and this guy had his head in the game so much after being so pivotal last week. He was even bigger in spots this week. Yeah. And not only did he have one sack on the exact same defensive play call, he had a second. Yeah. And it was like the Tennessee offense was like, What 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 do we do? Like how, how do we stop how do we stop this guy? Meanwhile, their their offensive lineman had 120 pounds on him, easy, and they just they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So it's got to go to Javon Bullard. Way to make your way back into this program after that hiccup you had earlier in the season, and not only that, um, that anonymous SEC coach that claimed that Tennessee was going to put up 50 easy. Um, yeah, that, that anonymous coach said that Georgia was going to lose because they didn't have William Poole on this team. For those of you that may not know, do you know what position – or do you know who took William Poole's spot on this defense? Ooh, that was Javon Bullard. Easy. Um, right, right. The guy that had two sacks as a star defender that Gary Danielson kept calling a damn safety for some reason – um, he's definitely not a safety, but we don't—we can't expect Gary Danielson to know what the fuck he's talking about at this point.
0: Yeah. No.
1: And this is first time in man a minute we've had a freshman award to give out. Yeah. But you know, somebody's earned it. So this is our. Walker went 16 yards. He rolled right over Orange Church. Driving and running with those big dimes. My God, Award of the week. And it once again goes to none other than Malachi Starks. He led the team in tackles as a true freshman against the number one offense in the country. Ten tackles, six of those being solo, one pass defended. And, I mean, he just had another, just another game this season where the defense wouldn't be the same without him. Yeah. And not only that, but to play the way he did, essentially without somebody pushing him. Because who came in when Malachi came out of the game? It was Dan Jackson. And Dan Jackson, for as as big of a part of this program as he has been over the last few years, is out for the season. So that whole iron sharpens iron, which is just logically incorrect. (laughs) <laughs> Malachi essentially has nobody pushing him right now, and he's still getting better every week. Yeah, like he he had a mental error last week against Florida, allowed that long touchdown. You know what he didn't do this week? Malachi yeah, Starks yeah, yeah. didn't have single, did not have a single mistake this week. A true Crazy. freshman, kid's eighteen years old. He was a five-star athlete at Elberton High or Jefferson High School last year. And now he just played in the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. Led the team in tackles, and honestly, if he would, if he was not the caliber of player he was, Georgia might have lost this game.
0: Yeah, he definitely is someone we need that helps definitely turn this defense around and definitely pushes each other.
1: And you know the good news? What's that? He's a freshman. We got a minimum two more years. Minimum of two years left with Malachi Starks.
0: Wow, some good news about a freshman. Gunner Stockton.
1: What about Gunner
0: Stockton? Never mind. Uh, This was an old tweet. (laughs) No, dude, I'm tired. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it's late as hell, y'all. So we're going to close it out here tonight. Um, As we say every week, follow all of our social media stuff. We will be putting out another ASW giveaway. you got to be following the Instagram at nothing.finer.pod. We are going to get much more active on Twitter over here over the next couple of weeks, and that is at Finer Pod, the Facebook group. Just go on Facebook and search Nothing Finer podcast. We now have an a YouTube channel. Search Nothing Finder Podcast. Make sure it's the one with our logo because there is a similar page that has not been active in a few years, but you know our logo. You know it's that gray with a national championship logo that we have altered to fit our stuff. Hey, it's more than it's enough of a change where it's not a copyright issue. I've checked into it. <laughs> And then, you know, we're sponsored by ASW, so make sure that's in there. We're putting up a few videos, probably, I think, at least one a day at this point since we started the channel. Go subscribe to us there. We are going to start putting podcasts up over the next couple of weeks. But, Wes, you almost let me forget. Our veteran spotlight of the week.
0: Oh, shit, yeah, you're right.
1: Man, what do you? Like I said, I'm tired.
0: You, you say, what <sighs> do I do? I am Man, the are... comic relief.
1: All right, guys. So, as we all know, and very sadly, Vince Dooley passed away this past week. What a lot of people don't do not know is that Vince Dooley, Vince Dooley was also a U.S. Marine. So in – I'm trying to find the year here, reading through it. As we all know, Vince Lee played at Auburn before he came to the light side, um, but he spent two years in the Marine Corps before he became a coach, and then he was a coach and then athletic director for the University of Georgia for a very long time. He had a 201, 77 and 10 record, won six SEC titles, 1980 national champion. Sam It's called Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium for a reason. It, this is the house that Vince built. Kirby could not run unless Vince walked, essentially. And you know, I posted it in the Facebook group the other day. Vince Dooley's funeral procession went past Sanford Stadium as one last, you know, look at what he built. Because once again, Georgia doesn't win a national championship in 2021 without the work that Vince Dooley put in between his time at head coach and then athletic director. But in my opinion... Having gone through the military, a lot of the stuff that he implemented in this football team came from his time as an infantry officer in the United States Marine Corps. So, shout out to Vince Dooley, his family, and everything he's ever done and stood for. I think that's going to do it for us tonight on the Nothing Finer podcast. Always remember, guys, there is nothing finer in the land
0: than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia champ biggest third down bryce young's career you need 10 play clock at four from the pocket launching downfield underthrown and intercepted keely ringo has an escort down the sidelines all the way to the end zone and georgia is going to conquer the crimson tide